0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Brie.
1: And joining us today, we have author Michelle Douglas. Welcome to the podcast.
2: (laughs) Yay! Thanks so much, ladies. It's great to be here.
1: So when we're recording this, it's Friday night for Sarah and I, and it's already Saturday, Saturday, almost lunchtime. (laughs) tell us how 2021's been for you on your side of the world
2: actually it's been kind of we've been really lucky given um our geographical distance from everyone but we're just having a little COVID spike now because because we didn't have the numbers the vaccinations haven't been rolled out as well as they should be and um in three weeks, I'm supposed to be going to the Romance Rise of Australia conference, and I'm not going to be able to now because state borders have closed. So, um, so while we feel like we've got a grip on it, and as soon as everyone is vaccinated, it will be much, much better. Um, we're still we're getting these odd spikes every now and again, so it's just a little disheartening. But you know, writers actually are quite hermit like often <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like oh pandemic come on nothing in my life changes yeah. <laughs> yeah which
0: it's just
1: like there's like this excitement like oh the world's opening back up and I'm just sitting here like I don't know how much the world is really opening, back opening up. up yeah
2: <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know from your website that you collect 60s and 70s vinyl records how long have you been collecting them? And what's one of your favorites to listen to?
2: It's it's not so much that I collect them, but that I inherited them. So, oh, gosh. <laughs> and, and this sounds terrible. When my parents separated when I was 12, it's like, well, the records are staying with me. Um, and whoever's <laughs> with me can listen to the records. <laughs> and um, there um, when when we were very very small children my grandparents had a caravan in this like gorgeous spot on the coast, which was like a three hour drive, and that was we got to go away at Christmas time in our summer holidays. And it was a big tradition in the lead up to that trip to <laughs> you guys are so young your your listeners are going to be so young they're going to go I don't know what she's talking about but we used to make up cassettes to play in the car stereo um
0: we did that too
2: (laughs) and it was just we just loved it so much it was like a such a treat to be and we had this um tradition of all right We're going to record this song. So we're going to all sing it first really loud to get it out of our system. And then you're not allowed to make a sound while we're actually recording it. (laughs) (laughs) And until recently, my dad would still play those makeup tapes on this awful, Mm -hmm. tinny tape recorder that he had um, until it chewed up the last of them. So, So you
1: all were actually like recording yourselves. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, Okay, so songs from the radio?
2: Songs from the radio, songs from these records. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay.
2: I mean, every now and again, you you would hear somebody singing in the background (laughs) along, which is.
0: I love it. I love it. But um, we
2: had k classics like, um, oh, Goofy's Greats and Tearjerkers and um, Herman's Hermit's Greatest Hit. (laughs) And but mm-hmm. seriously, the um, the record that you will have to prize out of my cold dead hands is ABBA arrival. ABBA was <laughs> huge in Australia, and um, I inherited that one from my glamorous older cousin. So it's like, and it has been played so much over the years, so much. My uni <laughs> um, undergraduates before, um, you know, all my friends before the. Resurgence of Mamma Mia and the movies, etc., um, would come and we'd play ABBA. And then there was an, a little local band, cover band called FABBA. So every <laughs> Wednesday course. night, we'd rock off to the Castle Nightclub and dance to ABBA.
1: I'm... And ABBA's in your book. <laughs> so oh. that makes sense. <laughs> It's,
2: Abba has had a tendency to make it into a few of my books. I'm afraid. <laughs> were they?
1: They weren't. Were they from Australia?
2: No, they were um, Swedish. Okay. Um, but wow, they were big there. But they were huge here. And it, if you, if you ever see the footage, it's just like it's like the Beatles, but yeah, um, but Abba.
0: What is a must-see on the Australian Gold Coast?
2: Gold Coast or East Coast?
0: East Coast, my, my mistake. East Gold Coast. Coast is
2: where I was supposed to be going to the conference.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, just just, just rub that in. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> we know what a must-see would have been. Right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely.
2: Do you know how big the East Coast is, ladies? It's, um, let's stick to somewhere close to home to, for me. So about an hour north of me is a place called Port Stephens. And okay. it's just um, – I think the amount of water in that is two and a half times the size of Sydney Harbour. And it's just wow. beautiful kind of palmy trees, not like palm covey stuff, but it's like this palm trees, there's white sand, There's there's this lovely, just gorgeous, calm water, which is sort of lovely temperature. And then if you move a little bit east, you get surf beaches and it's just – the most beautiful place on earth.
1: I have to confess I have really been wanting to come to Australia because I've been watching it a lot lately because last week was shark week <laughs> and they they filmed quite a bit in Australia. <laughs> and I was like the beaches are gorgeous. It's just <laughs> so stunning. They were always like between Australia
0: and New Zealand. Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> Yeah, well, my parents it, went in the early 70s. And the pictures, like it was well before I was born. It was before they even got married. And the pictures, they were in the Sydney area. It was like early 70s. And my mom says she remembers being in this little boat. And my dad was in the water. And there's the, the <laughs> sharks are just... <laughs> <laughs> so they most, were the hammerheads, so they were okay right? yeah
2: most sharks aren't going to eat you um yeah
0: you're not yeah. going to
2: jump in with a, a great white but as for the rest of them
0: no yeah no. <laughs> did but they have fun
2: oh, oh you yeah. must come if you come then i'll take you to port stevens it
0: just
1: looks we're coming <laughs> and <laughs> we also they probably won't let us in but we're
2: well, coming <laughs> the um when you fly into Sydney, which is where you would fly in closest to me, just the view of the harbour is just one of the most beautiful sights. I just, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I see it, I just go, oh, look at that. That's
0: beautiful. glorious. I know. Oh, that's fantastic. What is the last book you read that reminded you why you love the romance genre? Oh, just one. it's your show you can name however many many as you
1: want (laughs) we're just here asking questions the um
2: the very last category romance I read was um Ella Hayes and she writes for my line and it was I'm so bad at so bad at titles there was something about Caribbean and tycoon and unexpected
1: yeah the tycoons Caribbean unexpected yes or something (laughs) like that yeah
2: yeah you should read that ladies there's just so much depth in those characters and as they mm-hmm. work through their um, their issues. I just loved it. Um, and I, in the last month, read The House in the Cerulean Sea.
1: I really that one's really that. popular. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: And so I, I'd ordered it from my library, and so it took ages for it to come in, that cover. I, <laughs> the cover is just beautiful. It's like my favorite mm-hmm. thing. And the story was gorgeous,
1: just gorgeous. Yeah, I don't mm. think I've heard one bad thing about that book. No, I it hear. had a
2: lot of hype to live up to, so I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it
1: lived up to it. And it did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we love romance origin stories. Can you share with us how you became a romance reader? All the women in my family read Mills and Boone's, um, you know, my mom, my, my
2: grandmothers, my aunts, all their friends. So they were just the kind of books that I saw all the time. And I guess <laughs> the first one I read was actually away on um, Christmas holidays. And I'd gone through all my own books, and my mum had um, a Milson Boone sitting there. So I swiped it and started reading it, much to my grandmother's dismay, who was like, because <gasps> I was probably <laughs> nine. <laughs> but you know, there's this set in this exotic location. I was like, oh, wow. And oh, isn't he mean? And then mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming uh, this was a present. She brought it to you. <laughs> <laughs> <No, I was, laughs> well, back in those days, I think they were, Milson Boone had, um, they were one line and then they got split into two, which was the blue rose and the red rose. So I can't remember okay. what coloured rose it was. Um, there wasn't a, a huge amount of difference, I don't think, if we read them now. I think that split evolved you know between them becoming super sexy so this one wasn't what wasn't ridiculously super sexy but you know the hero that typical um inscrutable kind of alpha male kind of, <laughs> oh my god does he really think bad things about the heroine he's got to treat her better than that surely does he hate her <laughs> oh does he love her <laughs> and the big grovel I just I'm all up for a big grovel you know <laughs> so-
1: okay so let's go back real quick so We know it as presents, but I know in UK it's modern. Is that what it is in Australia as well?
2: Um, Yes. I think for a long time, those two lines were sweet and sexy, like for, for, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it'd be over a decade. might've been a few decades. Um, But now I'm pretty sure the sexy lines called modern. It's funny because um, I'm really good friends with Annie West and she writes for presents Mm -hmm. and, she used to introduce herself as a sexy author, and I used to be the sweet author.
1: The sweet author, <laughs> I love it.
2: And now, and now I think it's modern. So
1: she's a modern author. And I'm forever doesn't okay. have the okay. right
2: doesn't have the same ring, does it?
1: So you you said like blue rose and red rose. What what was that?
2: So the red rose was the sexier line, and the blue rose was the more traditional line.
1: Was that the name? And of
2: then the I then I. I guess um, I should know the history a little bit better than this. Um, after the blue and the red rose trying to trying to remember if when Harlequin bought Mills and Boone, yeah, whether okay. that's where the, the the actual line names came in but oh, the, okay yeah, it's mm-hmm. the the red rose would have been presents and the blue rose um, romance.
1: Okay. Oh, so is it was it just a way to s- decipher like which one was sweeter and which one was sexier? It wasn't a the name of the series. It was just if you go into the no, story. and it was you just see the Blue color Rose, of a color you know. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. Oh wow, I've never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's in- okay.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you share on your website that you received your first rejection letter at the age of ten with your book. Carrie, the koala baby, (laughs) and have been writing ever since. When did you realize you wanted to pursue writing professionally? And can you take us through your journey to becoming published?
2: Oh, wow. I, whenever I was a kid, um, I always would tell people, you know, when they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Once I got beyond the, um, I want to be a mermaid. I would always...
1: It's not a sad dream to lose. I, I didn't say I've lost it. <laughs> true, true. I still think I'm going to be Janet Jackson when I grow up. So. <laughs> you can be a mermaid. Well, I decided I wanted to be an
2: author more than I wanted to be a mermaid. But it never occurred to me that I could be both things. You know, when you're, when you're yeah, six, right. you think you can only be one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just... I love stories so much. Just love them. And so you always... Um, they want be heroes and so that's who you want to be when you grow up and um, I had a a knack for writing fun stories probably you know you've got a good imagination because you read a lot and um, I I don't know why I sat down and wrote this story in chapters, which was carrying the Koala Baby, which is hilarious if you read it again now because those last couple of chapters are like, yeah, I'm tired of this now. I want to go out and play. So um,
1: it's a very rushed <laughs> I'm wrapping ending. it up here. It's wrapping <laughs> it up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. That, um, um, so, yeah, on and off I, I played around with writing and you know, it's like any hobby. Um, you go through long periods where – you're interested in other things or you have to you have to focus on other things. But when I was doing my um, undergraduate degree, I was actually in my honours year and one of my fellow um, students, she and her flatmate loved Mills and Boones, loved them, and it was like, oh, I remember I used to read them all the time. And it was funny because in their bookcase they had all the set texts and the, you know, um, important literary works, but when you pulled one of those out, behind them were row upon row of Mills and <laughs> <views>. <laughs> Good and, stuff. <laughs> right? And um, she said to me that she'd like to write one one day, and it was like, oh wow, I'd always wanted to write, but it was like I didn't know what to write, and um, it just gave me a direction. And not too long, in my mind, it's not too long, but it could have been a year, I read um, an article in a little local paper that was a little article on Romance Writers of Australia and the fact that there was a local Newcastle group. And in that it said that Milson and Boone read every unsolicited manuscript that was sent to them. And even though I was pretty ignorant of the publishing industry back then, I knew that was a bit of a big deal. So I started um, um, writing and submitting to, to them. My first efforts were <laughs> so bad, so bad because – there was a, you know you're a poor student so you don't have a lot of um, a lot of spare cash to throw around and there was this tiny little bookstore that would sell um, like six for a dollar and wow um, but what I wasn't realizing was that they were like 15, 10 years old and we know how quickly the like the, the genre reflects the current times and so I was mm-hmm. writing stuff that was outdated. But um, um, I guess I just kept plugging away, getting better. I joined Romance Writers Australia. So you get a lot of information and industry news and direction. And I love um, how to writing, you know, manuals and and Mm -hmm. books. And, um, And I knew I was starting to get closer to publication because I was getting rejection letters that were like, you know, This is um, really good. If you would focus a bit more on, you know, the emotional depth or blah, blah. Um, And, yes, so in – I think the stars aligned. Um, I was just writing stories in basically the months that I started them. It was like, oh, it's Christmas time. I'm going to write a Christmas story. It wasn't Mm – if I I knew then what I know now, I'd know you do not – write a Christmas story without chatting to your editor first. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'd written this Christmas story and um, had sent it in and it'd been a year, you know, like a year, sent it in. And then I, what do you call it? You know, where you kind of go, Hey guys, it's been three months of you. Mm-hmm. And then they went, Oh, we can't find it. Send it again. And,
0: Oh, gosh. oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> and then, um, they asked for a couple of changes and they were really little and I was like, ooh, I can do that in an hour. And so I did it and sent it straight back and then I think two days later I got a phone call um, at 11 o'clock at night um, saying, we'd like to buy your book. And I just – it was like the, the wall phone. It was not mobile phones then and <laughs> i were just sitting on the step going, and she's just talking <laughs> away, and I'm not hearing at all. All I'm going is, they want my book, they want my book, they want my book. Yeah, so, um, oh my God, I love it. So it was exciting. Wow,
1: since we're still in this, this is still while you're in school, right? Like, oh, no, no, no,
2: no, no, that was years. Look, so this was- so I started, so that was I got the idea when I was in my honors year. I probably started once I'd finished my honors year, and I was working different part-time jobs, and some full, some of those okay. part-time jobs were full-time, and and then doing some full-time jobs, <laughs> just you know, bouncing around because I had a um, an English honors degree, but I didn't want to be a teacher. So what do you do? Um, mm-hmm. And so I was practicing practicing playing with writing throughout that time and then you know fell in love and (laughs) and that took up time and yeah so no I was so 2007 I would have been in my 30s
1: okay okay late 30s we have to take a moment and ask about completing your PhD which focused on romance and feminism so tell us about it (laughs) it still is very fresh in my mind I finished
2: that at the end of well I graduated at the end of 2019 so we were actually the last graduation Mm. ceremony um before um the lockdown okay so we so we felt very very fortunate um so I in I think it was 2006, so it was just before Mills and Boone picked me up and I was starting to get a little disheartened and thinking yeah, maybe I don't have the right voice and just not going to, to manage to, to fit into what they need and somebody I knew was doing a creative writing uh, masters and I was like, oh, well, that could be fun just to have a play with a different form of fiction and um, I, wrote, I wrote this doorstop of women of a women's fiction novel, which it's like 136,000 words. I was only supposed to be writing a creative work of about 15 to 20,000, but it was like this thing poured out of me. My supervisor was appalled because <laughs> you you understand once you're in the um, in the situation how important your um, supervisor is, and he was a really lovely man and really learned and a Chinese poet Um, and I think me who loved romance and he said romance is not a suitable topic for a research higher degree and so instead of me writing romance I wrote women's fiction instead which was apparently no better.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it made it for an interesting experience and then I was um, accepted by mills and boone so you know euphoria euphoria defer for six months and then i tried to convince him to let me do romance as like change my topic to romance and he was like no 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 the international association for the study of popular romance came into being which is um like an academic body that um for all the scholars in the area and they were having their inaugural conference um butted up to the Romance Writers of Australia Brisbane conference back in I think 2011 now and I thought oh if I present a paper at that conference my university will cover my airfares and some of my accommodation (laughs) so I um submitted a paper and they accepted it and um we were supposed to present during our candidature at different times. So I did a run through of the paper that I was presenting at the at the YASPA conference, and my supervisor um, attended. And at the end of it, he said, "That's one of the best um, structured, you know, papers I've I've listened to." He said, "You've made your point, so yes, you can change to romance."
1: Wow! And so we <laughs> did it
2: that um, he did a caveat of, but it will never be appropriate for a PhD. And it was just like game <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> you
0: had to get I the know. last
2: word, right? <laughs> and um, one of the, she became a full-time teacher um, while I was there. And she, um, Trisha Pendy is her name. And she loved, loved, loved Nora
1: Roberts and jennifer Cruz. Wow. nora roberts she's she's a global oh, you just say nora <laughs> and yes. so yes. <laughs> um
2: and showed the great good sense to to think my books were good as well and so yeah we started the conversation it's like if i ever decided to come back for a phd would you be my supervisor And she's like oh but i've never done a creative writing supervision before and it's like i i know what i'm doing with the writing you know what you're doing with the um academia between us we should be mm-hmm. able to to negotiate that and then um nothing had been set in stone but she shot me a line one day and went there's a possibility of a scholarship because I told her that I I couldn't I couldn't justify doing a PhD without a scholarship it had mean dropping um writing one or two books a year and mm-hmm. um yeah and so it was like oh well I'll apply and we'll see how we go and I was amazed but I got it so then it was like oh now I have to write a PhD. Um, the mm-hmm. feminist element, I was like, why did I have to be so political? <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't help it. I can't even remember the title because we titled it really, really late. Something about um, the single title, Heroine, and the vexed question of feminism in um, contemporary romance. But there's these two schools of thought that, you know, romances you know, are anti feminist because they focus solely on a woman getting love and not celebrating any other area of her life. Or on the flip side, this is these are books written by women for women, about women, and therefore they're innately feminist. And of course the, the answer well, there's no really answer, but it's so unfair to demand of a popular fiction a piece of popular fiction, that it should be political in any way, shape or form. And nobody asks why is mystery feminist or uh, mm-hmm. sci-fi, mm-hmm. you know, books feminist. So individual books can be feminist um, and there are writers out there who want to be writing feminist romance, but at the flip side they don't have to be and some are Some are both. Some have got elements that are very progressive and some elements that are um, – conservative I wanted to to explore that that because I was becoming uneasy in some of the politics a couple of my own books were espousing and it was like when you're a new writer you're really just wanting to focus on conflict and providing your editor with a good strong book and your characters don't I don't think that your characters always have to reflect your own world view that becomes a little stifling and but Mm at the same time I didn't want to write books that were were um, negative to women so that's that's why I chose feminism um, as my topic and I learned an enormous amount an enormous amount it was great and it was difficult I went I've done a master's after being away from from study for so long a PhD will be so easy now (laughs) the lies we tell
1: ourselves (laughs) I like follow people like online that are doing their PhDs and I'm like you started school years ago like why aren't you done with this it just (laughs) looks it looks painful but Mm -hmm. I definitely admire people that do it (laughs) absolutely absolutely
2: Yep. I think there was a, um, a level of burnout for a year after whenever anybody went, oh, have you finished your PhD, it's like the word PhD, the letters, was just like I get a nervous tick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your first title, His Christmas Angel, was published by Mills and Boone Harlequin in 2007 as part of the romance True Love Forever line. For any of our listeners who have yet to read a book from that line, how would you describe it to them? And what about that line specifically made it the perfect match for the stories you want to tell?
2: Well, back in the day, the the main difference between the, well, the sweet or forever romance line was that um, bedroom, the, the bedroom door was closed, that um, there were no sex scenes on the page. And, you know, um, there was the merger of... Mills and Boone and Silhouettes so there'd been the Silhouette Romance line and they actually had no sex in them and so th- those two lines merged so they're allowed to be sex scenes but they weren't allowed to be on the page but that's all changing now so I think because the Forever line sells so well in overseas markets the overseas markets have asked if they can be a a bit racier so we're now being encouraged to write sex scenes which is a lot of fun a lot of fun and obviously those <laughs> those um overseas markets that want the sweeter stories they can just um cut those scenes out or sure. you know do their own closing in the bedroom door the main difference between romance and presents i think the the romance line has has a more realistic kind of a feel that um, they sort of romance stories that could happen to, to any woman, to us basically, rather than, you know, that whole crazy world of melodrama and um, there is plenty of money and glamour in the the romance line, but
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, perhaps not the same scale as in presents. And, you can have an alpha male as well in in romance but you're more often getting the the be the heroes so you know the guys next door
1: because that's one thing that we have noticed is is that is that romance is i remember sarah was reading i think sophie pembroke's and she's like romance is becoming steamy
0: (laughs) i was like because i've read sophie pembroke for years and i'm like you know expecting and then all of a sudden i'm like hello well,
2: those parameters are forever shifting. That um, yes, you need to check with the um, the Mills and Boone Harlequin websites to, to see what what you can, how that how the line um, has evolved mm-hmm. and what it. So what it for is you now. as an
1: author, like, do you have to do that, or is like your editor reaching out to you and saying like, hey, if you want to include this now, you can. Like, how do you yep, as authors so we got- know?
2: We were sent out a um, a brief from. So Sheila Hodgson is the editor in the London office that's in charge of that line, and she sent out a um, a group email to all the authors for the line saying, you wow. know, we're, we're opening things up a little bit more, and um, we'd we'd love it if you would like to take things a little bit further. So. Uh, Nobody's being, like, if you don't want to write sex, you don't have to.
1: Yeah. But my mm-hmm. my
2: editor's like, can you, please? Can we have a bit more? I was like, okay, <laughs> you betcha.
1: I guess my question is, like, are where you... does that feedback come from? Like, are they doing surveys? Like, how do they know that? Oh,
2: I'm you know? sure their marketing departments um, are constantly looking at what's selling, Um and what's popular and what, what readers want. I love want. it you don't know what you're
1: going to get. You don't know yeah. what you're going to get. That's what's yeah. fun about it.
2: And I guess that once upon a time, my line used to cater for the women who who didn't want any sex in their, in their stories and were comfortable sharing them with their teenage daughters. I think when, which they could do with the old silhouette romances, but they couldn't really do that if they didn't want to yeah, have any premarital sex once it became the, the merger with the Harlequin Milson Boone line. But now that there's heartwarming and love inspired lines, mm. um, those readers are being catered for as well. So I guess that means they're <clears throat> that Milson Boone are happy to or Harlequin are happy to experiment a little bit and, and see and see what's going see to take off. Go. Yeah.
1: I'm not mm. complaining.
2: No, me neither. It's um, <laughs> it's been fun to write some um, sex scenes, and I, yeah, I just waiting to hear back from my editor on revisions of a book which she just loves, and the bits that mm-hmm. she loves. Uh, she said, "Oh, that steamy bit in the Greek islands
0: is <laughs> <It's> my <laughs> favorite."
2: <laughs> I was like, yeah, go ahead and shock me.
1: (laughs) Of course, it's your favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Let's chat your two 2021 releases. So we have secret that we have so far because do you have something else coming out? Yes, I've got something coming out.
2: Um, The release dates are really weird now, but I think it's end of September. I think it's about the 27th of September in the US, but it's actually the 18th of August in... Australia and then something
1: like the fourth in the UK I was wondering which I we want to we want you to talk about the Australian market but like so do you all get the books before we do over here yes we do so on the 18th of
2: August in my local Kmart or Target or Big W store I can rock on down and and I will take pictures every month that I share on Facebook so, oh, look at these ones that are on the shelves. Please time. tag us in one,
1: please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like, will Kmart here is closed. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Secret Billionaire on our doorstep and Billionaire's Road Trip to Forever. But let's begin specifically with the heroes in both of those books. So both Owen and Noah are billionaires. But it's not immediately revealed in the story. And it's casually written in, which we love it's like it's no big deal right Mm -hmm. it's just like who they are and i we like we love that what do you enjoy about writing billionaire heroes because i mean especially here in the states you know it's not everybody's down with billionaires anymore but (laughs) Mm -hmm. they are fun to read so as a as a writer especially the way that you do it it's so casual what do you enjoy about writing? It's casual
2: because um, once upon a time I didn't have to write Billionaire Heroes but then, of course, the, the line evolved and so our heroes, rather than being literal boys next door who might be carpenters or mechanics or, you know, bank manager or whatever, now have to be aspirational and apparently that means have a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I actually quite like the um, – the fantasy of, you know, oh, you're really sweet, you're lovely, let's fall in love and then finding out, oh, my God, you're a millionaire as well. Are you real? You know, could you just imagine how glorious it would (laughs) be to find a guy that you adore (laughs) and then, oh, and we can be financially stable for the rest of our lives and we can live where we want and we can travel the world if it ever opens up again.
1: Wow. Okay, so I'm thinking that it's just – I mean – you're writing stories that come to you, but you have to keep up with what is popular, in a way. And I
2: mean, my editor keeps me um, informed on what they want. On um, okay. Um, and so, for example, I'm. I, I signed a three-book contract earlier in the year, and I had an idea for the one that I just recently sent in. You know, steamy bit in the Greek islands um it's like yes that one will work and another story and she went oh that could be really work with a if you have it as a Christmas story though because I wanted to write another Christmas story and she went if you had that with Christmas which meant book two in the contract was like oh I'll 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 let you know later what that's going to be and um so I shot her a line a couple of weeks ago going oh I think it might be you know best man bridesmaid fake dating and I think he's a downhill an ex downhill ski champion and she's like can he also be a, mil- a business um, b- billionaire <laughs> It's like yeah oh, oh, okay yeah I'll do that too <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah we, we negotiate and um um work it out between us as a rule so I guess the reason my heroes you know that the fact that they're billionaires is casual is because, I like that um, it's not a focus of the story. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just seems to be a natural way to do it because they're they're generally not too Mm alpha-ish. And they're Mm low-key. It's not like they live these glamorous, necessarily glamorous
0: Mm -hmm. um, worlds. Secret billionaire on her doorstep is the romance between Callie and Owen. Callie travels to New York City from Sydney after learning that not only has her grandfather passed away, but that she is inheriting something uh, from her, Uh, her grandmother, excuse me. It's an incredible story of piercing together family history, forgiveness, and two people who each, uh, who get uh, each other all wrong in the beginning, but are meant for each other. Can you share with us the inspiration for where this story came from? I love an inheritance story. I really do. (laughs) Excellent. It's, believe it or not,
2: ladies, two years ago today, I was actually in New York. And so it was... What? Yeah. Travel,
0: you say? I know. What (laughs) is this
2: thing of which you speak? And so I'd I'd gone across for the Romance Writers of America um, conference because his million-pound marriage deal had been nominated for a Rita. And so it was like, oh, my God, New York, I'm going to New York, which has always been on my bucket list. We spent two weeks there. And, or probably 10 days really. And so, for the week prior to the conference, we got very footsore trumping around um, you know, all the sites. And I just loved Greenwich Village. It was like, I so have to set a book here. And I so don't have the time to do any real research. So let's make my heroine Australian so that she's discovering the place right alongside me when I get home and write it. And so it was like, then I had to find a a reason for her to go to New York and it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I love an inheritance story too. And a a family mystery Mm -hmm. is always fun. So, Mm. and then I was, I, I call that book, the billionaire in the basement and it was like, I just loved the thought that that here's this guy, you know, living in the the, the bottom new flat that, mm-hmm. that she inherits from in the block that she inherits, and um, um, you know, and they are a little bit feisty with each other in the early days. They they get each other so wrong, and then because of living in that same complex, how they have to come into contact and eventually see how they can help each other and and yeah so
1: yeah the first like I think the first chapter and and some of the second chapter it was so intense Callie first of all she like walks in late and and he's sitting here like he does not think she deserves inheritance there's like a lot of confusion like she didn't even know her grandmother knew she existed and he's like she was reaching out to you and you never responded and she's like what like it was just it was and so intense I had to tone it down when I
2: sent it to my editor she's like oh whoa you need to tone him down a little bit he's a little bit too angry it's like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but it it's was. so fun to write um, that kind of intensity and and they're, they're, I actually really like a grumpy angry character when you know that they're Really good people, because you know yeah. there's a, a a reason for for that the intensity of that emotion. So
1: yeah, and his anger just really, you know, with her with Callie's grandmother being his godmother, it was just like that protectiveness. Like, yeah, I don't want just anybody inheriting. She was inheriting millions of dollars. I know like, a whole block of like an apartment <laughs> building, and uh, and she's just like. I don't even care about the money. I just want to learn about my family. She's come all the way from Australia. She didn't even know any of this existed. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have Billionaire's Road Trip to Forever. It's your most recent release. And it's the romance between Brie and Noah. And the book starts at Owen's wedding, which Brie can't wait to be over. <clears throat> what inspired the choice to begin the book the way that you did?
2: Well, I mean, you're going to be riveted when you think, oh, my God, this guy is going to be jilted. How is this all going to play out? It's just like a train wreck you can't look away from. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, all the writing books give you the advice of starting at a moment of change. And I don't know how much more change Noah was going to be confronted with than um, the life he thought he was building, um, Mm -hmm. being taken away from him. That scene allowed me to to show Bree and Noah's relationship in in that time and how how almost like family they are. The fact that you know she's part of the get him out of there. Um, he's grumpy, he's angry, he's shell shocked, and she just gets him home and gives him a beer. And and I, I wanted to to see I wanted to show how they actually react to each other and then show mm-hmm. that um, relationship developing.
1: And like Courtney, the woman he's supposed to marry, she's not a bat, she's not like a villain. No. <laughs> but the, the moment where she's like, like she's, I guess she wanted she offered for Bree to be a bridesmaid, and Bree's like, I didn't want to be a pity bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even friends like that. I was like, this is
0: hilarious. What is going on here?
2: <laughs> there were a lot of dynamics happening in that scene, and it, it, sometimes they just come to life. I don't like, um, as a rule, having other women be the villain, and sure. I'm sure that it would actually be a lot of fun to write Courtney's story. Um, yes, please. Mm-hmm. That yeah, would be well, awesome. I need to. <laughs> this happens in every book I write. It's like a secondary character. You know, Bree's two brothers. You know, the mm-hmm. in that scene where the bridesmaid tells him to back off, hotshot. And hallelujah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like hallelujah, the bridesmaid can speak. Um... <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they'd be fun to write too. Um, Yeah. of course, (laughs) if I'm going to write, you know, duets or trilogies, I need to organize that with my editor, you know,
1: months and months and months ago. So, um, Mm
2: -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I guess there's
1: nothing. If your editor just so happens to listen to the podcast, we we would not be upset if we got Courtney's story. I mean, you mentioned her like partying on a yacht and like the Mediterranean or the Greek islands or something. Mm -hmm. We want Courtney to have a story. She deserves a story. (laughs) She does deserve (laughs) a story.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. The story has some of our favorite tropes, friends to lovers, siblings, best friend, close proximity. But the trope that for us outshined those was found family. We see how Bree's family became the found family for Noah as a child. And we see how it plays out via Bree's plan. When you began writing the book, were you already aware of how important you wanted found family to play into it? Not at all. Not. Wow. So this book actually
2: has quite a, um, you know, often people will say, where do your ideas come from? Where did you get the idea for this book? This one is so easy to tell. I have, I play a plot a plot game. It's the trope game. And it's just a creativity exercise and I've got three boxes and one's full of plot tropes, one's full of heroin tropes, one full of hero tropes. And I just pulled out one day just playing and it's not like I necessarily think I'm going to write books from these. It's just like, oh, how can I make these combined elements work? And I pulled out Jilted Groom, Road Trip, and Rapunzel, and <laughs> went, cool. That feels nice and crunchy. And <laughs> and like obviously Jilted Groom and Road Trip are. Very self explanatory, but I've never really gotten a good handle on Rapunzel. And I'd recently, yeah, that's watched... the part that
1: had me. I was like, What are we gonna yep. do with Rapunzel? What yep. are we
2: gonna do with Rapunzel? And I'd watched Tangled, that cute little cartoon, is it Pixar yes. or Disney? I just, oh, it's so cute. And it was like, mm-hmm. Well, she had a quest, she wanted to see where the lights came from. And so I went, Okay, well, if the road trip is instigated by the heroine because she's on some kind of quest um what is that quest and that's i just brainstormed from there so those tropes are just a um a way to free your mind initially you don't have to in my, in the rules that i make come you don't have to stick with them but they were just a um mm-hmm. uh, a jumping off point and before i knew it i was just playing with it it was like oh i've got a story here and it was like great
1: Brie went through a lot with her previous relationship where she learned the hard way that she didn't truly know the person she was in love with. That relationship really shaped the woman she is when we meet her and throughout the story. What was it about Brie's character that you hoped would resonate with readers?
2: I think we've all had a, you know, a relationship that's gone off the rails and had our hearts broken or at least been disappointed in love. And Brie really hasn't forgiven herself for for what essentially wasn't a situation that was her fault. But she's always guarded herself from from falling into that pattern um, ever again. And I think that's one of the reasons she and Noah, um, Noah work so well together is that because she doesn't have those barriers with him because he's already someone she trusts. So I guess that whole journey of learning to forgive yourself and not having to... Like learning to trust yourself again and and take risks and not believe that you're always going to to make a mistake
0: yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Owen went on a journey of his own in the book his childhood was heartbreaking and we see him process the feelings he believed he had for his bride to be Courtney and what those feelings represented for him was there anything about his character you hope would resonate with readers
2: what I love about Noah is that he he hasn't stopped dreaming. Like, you know, he really has had an awful childhood and yet Mm -hmm. he continues to to strive for things that that he thinks will make him happy. And so, you know, at the end of the book, he's the one that does say, you know, I've finally worked out what will make me happy and it's pointless me, you know, beating about the bush about it. It's this. Um, But sometimes we do think, certain things will make us happy when they don't. And so I kind of really liked the way that he didn't dismiss Breeze. It's like you didn't approve of the the match, why not? And she goes, well, well, here's one reason. Here's another reason. And, you know, a few days later, here's another reason. And him, (laughs) um, rather than dismissing it, um, because he trusts her, takes it on board and starts to see that what he thought was going to be a perfect light was going to be far from perfect. So I don't yeah. know. They, they're, both characters
1: are flawed, but they're um, so endearing. You sit down to begin working on your current work in progress. Set the scene for us. Early bird or night owl, what time of day do you feel most productive with writing? Um, I have a definite, definite routine
2: when I'm um, writing my first drafts. So my writing time is 8 till 11 every morning. Okay. Well, for, yeah, Monday to Friday. I don't answer the phone. I don't answer the door. Um, my family know not to bother trying to talk to me. If the phone rings at about 5 past 11, I know it's my sister. Um <laughs> Um, and i write longhand so i don't have the computer on really Mm -hmm.
1: wow i don't have
2: any distractions so i sit down at my desk at that time and it's not even you don't well it's what routine is i mean it's hard in the early days but the minute i sit down at my desk it's like okay let's just get stuck in it's what i do when i sit Mm -hmm. at this desk is right
0: so you talked a little bit about, um, you know, pulling those. I love that idea of pulling the ideas from the boxes. Of <laughs> So are you like a plotter? Like once you have those ideas, do you like really plot it out? Or you just, do you just kind of write and see where the story takes you? I fall more on the plotting spectrum than pantsing.
2: I find, A, that it's more efficient. So I always, when I sit down to write, I always know what that scene is going to happen in that scene. And one of the things that I, dis- that I find, because plotters go, or not plotters, pantsers go, oh, you know, I'm really bored if I if I know what the story's all about. But I find that the characters surprise you because you know what needs to happen in the scene and you're kind of focused and then they'll say something that you weren't expecting or there'll be a reaction or you suddenly discover that um, they've created a pet name for... For the other lead it's, it's just it constantly surprises me but it, it's joyful and it's fun and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things so while I don't have a book fully plotted out as a, as a rule um, I usually know what the next couple of scenes are going to be and I usually know what the big turning points are going to be.
1: If it's a project you've already been working on do you reread over the previous day's work before you begin for the day or are you pretty familiar and just jump right back in?
2: I usually do about somewhere between two and 2000 words um, in that three hour session. And that's generally, I'm uh, sounding prescriptive. It's, it's never this neat, but um, I usually have two scenes in a chapter and one in the hero's viewpoint, one in the heroine's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So it's usually jumping to the next character's viewpoint the next day so the bathtub yeah lying in a bath at the end of the day going okay so you know that that's going to happen next but how is she going to actually start that conversation or how is she going to get there or and you so and so they usually have a a decent idea of at least how to start Mm -hmm. the next day
1: I am still stuck on the fact that you are like writing this out (laughs)
2: When I type, if I make a typo, I, I can't keep typing. I have to go back and fix it. And when I write, don't know if I've got – so this is the one I'm writing now. So I've got, you know, put that stuff there, you know. You've got – and I've got – Yeah. I, I write stars and it's like that means it's over the page or on the back of the page or, you know, insert mm-hmm. stuff here. And I just – lines going everywhere. Which usually means it's best to um, type it up that afternoon, or you forget wow. <laughs> which line was going where.
0: <laughs> so, other than the paper and the pencil, do you have any other necessities that you need or you use while you're writing?
2: No, not usually. I usually have a um, a cuppa on the go, but of more often than not, they get you know you take a swig and it's like oh that's cold um <laughs> cold coffee is disgusting um, which is weird because iced coffee is great so yeah <laughs> um so no I just need to have plenty of pens and plenty of paper yep
1: and I think you kind of answered this already but like do you go into each writing session with a specific writing goal and for any aspiring writers that may be listening how do you have any advice on like figuring out mm-hmm how to set a daily writing goal for yourself. It's about seven handwritten pages of mine is what I aim for. Okay, um, I couldn't
2: have done that back in the early days. I mean, it's a bit like a um, – well, not that I run either and they're not likely to get me to run. But, I mean, obviously you wouldn't launch straight into to running, you know, 10 kilometres or doing a marathon. Mm-hmm. You kind of build up to it. And I think writing, a writing muscle is very similar to that. Um. I used to work in a call centre for um, a bank. (laughs) Yay, that was the real high point of my life. And Mm -hmm. um, um, I would just, I would get up an hour early and actually I used to do it in bed. My husband, who's just a saint, would bring me a cuppa and I would just write for an hour before work. And of course I knew that, Writing in the morning was the, the time when I was the freshest. If I waited until I got home, I would I would just wouldn't have done it. I, just wouldn't have, I could type it up mm-hmm. when I got home, but I couldn't um, create. It's mm-hmm. like that day intruding. Once the day intrudes, um, I just find it so super difficult to get back into a book. So if you're new, just I think if you can work out whether you're a morning writer or um, an evening writer, most most of the writers I know are like me. They're morning, but we've got two, who one who likes afternoons and one who likes night. She just comes alive at night. Um, mm-hmm. If you can find out where you are your most creative, try and find blocks of time in your schedule. And it doesn't have to be every day. I think writing every day could burn you out. I mean, I am most productive on a Monday um, because I've had the weekend off. Um, mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday, it's getting tough, but you just go suck it up and you're not at the bank. So even my worst riding day is better than the best day I used to have at the call center.
0: So that's a nice, <laughs> um, a nice carrot, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? Just a, a question just, that came to my head. So if you take your weekends off, which is great, but let's say like Saturday afternoon, you're sitting around and you get an idea. Do you don't? Do you write it down somewhere to remember for when Monday always, comes, or always? Always, jot jotting. Okay. Like, yeah, I've got like
2: envelopes and um, <laughs> shopping dockets, and I've always got two notepads on the go because one always lives in my bag, and my, and it usually ends mm-hmm. up at my desk, and so the other one needs to go into my bag. Um, mm-hmm. I love. Walking down to my local shops for a, like fifteen minute walk, and I'll just go down to the coffee shop with my with my notebook, and it's like I'll I'll just play the um, twenty question not twenty question it's like a list of twenty game. I, I wish I'd been the one to to create you know this idea. I have no idea who did, but you can do it for anything. Twenty things that can happen next in the scene, twenty metaphors for his brown eyes,
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: any number of things. So I'll often do that. And that's kind of, you know, they just spark
0: different things and it's good fun. Mm-hmm. So after you've done your handwriting and then in the afternoon, you're sitting down front of your computer to type it out, do you use a special program or is it just Microsoft word? <laughs> yeah, it's just word, but, mm-hmm. but I've just,
2: a, a friend of mine has discovered plotter. So I think it's a month's free. Um, So it's either on a subscription basis or I think it's $99 for a once-off fee. But it's like having a big whiteboard and you can make scene cards and you can shuffle them around, but you can also do character breakdowns. And in my early days, it might have been a bit too much information or I might not have known how to use it, but I'm looking at it going, oh, this is kind of fun and, you know, you can – export everything to a word program and all those sorts of things so yeah I, I, I don't know if I'm going to bite the bullet or not it's stuff that I already do but it's all in one place and it's like that makes it mm-hmm. nice
1: and shiny and sparkly. Before we get into like round out questions tell us about like so okay where you are in Australia like what series do you feel like is the most popular series like when you go to the stores what series do you see in the stores and
2: the most popular series is presents which is modern here um you know there are 12 of those books on the shelves every month whereas there are four forevers on them on the shelves every month um, medicals are really popular here medical line
1: that's another one we can't buy and in the it, store
2: and we often wonder why not, because you know ER and you know those those TV yeah. shows are huge. But, anatomy. Yeah, but I think maybe um, the healthcare systems are, are very different, so um, maybe it translates into or it doesn't translate properly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, special edition, which is I think it's called Heart here now, and they're lovely stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what else oh and the um intrigues and you all have is it a western you have a, we or have a heart-, heart. you have heartwarming there okay so i think they might be
2: packaging heartwarming and special editions um, they're putting them together yeah yeah it okay. changes mm-hmm. every now and again and okay. if it's not my line i don't always keep on top of it um
1: historicals um are always on the shows as well and western which seems odd (laughs) it's another series we can't buy in the store
0: yeah right but yeah
1: you
0: you said you get 12 of the presents so you get because we only get eight so you get the eight and then an extra four i think amy andrews was talking about it like they're like extra ones like republished Um, other lines or something like that? Oh, I thought
2: it was Um, 12. It might be eight. Uh, But there was also, um, and they'd have some of them come out at the beginning of the month, and then a new lot come out halfway
0: through the month. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It's just so neat how different places do different things. I'm just, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, their market research has shown that – you know, the different markets want different things from the covers. So, you know, the, the Australian covers at the moment are just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Well, from mm-hmm. my line, they are. Um, they are. They are. And, um, the, yeah, there's differences in the UK and the US or North American covers as well.
0: But the other thing I like, because I was perusing the Mills & Boone Australia website, And I think it was last month or the month before, but Janice Maynard uh, had like her 40th book out. So they had like a sticker on it saying author's 40th book. And I'm like, that's, that's so awesome. Like they, I wish they did that across the board, you know? They did a a 30th pledge
1: on my, on my um,
2: secret millionaire on the doorstep, secret billionaire or, you know, the billionaire in the basement, which whatever that title was. They put a thirty book flash on mine, and it was like,
0: <laughs> and yeah, amazing. they really celebrate I it. It's it. it's just
2: delicious. Oh, I need yep. it.
0: Yep, I need to get I a copy of that. that. <laughs> I need. It's I need Australia. the name of a thrift
1: store so I find. <laughs> I'll post you it's a copy. Australia. You'll have to give me your address later. <laughs> Thank you. So you mentioned craft books and stuff like that earlier. So are there any that you would recommend?
2: I really, really like James Scott
1: Bell. Um, I just
2: find okay. him really accessible and um, okay. and just the, the, his tone. It just seems really conversational. I just find his book so easy to, to read. So he does lots of you know dialogue and plot and character and structure. But um, writing your book from the middle, it's a great place to start or um, mm-hmm. it's a funny title. It's something like 27 writing blunders and how not to make them. could be 29. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It's 23, something like that. Um, I find Lisa Cron's books interesting. Um, who else? I love um, – I've got them just <laughs> – Donald Mars writes great books and Sol Stein. On, on writing, mm-hmm. so just have a dip in, or are you guys on Facebook, <laughs> just, just, what's your favourite craft book, um, and you will just be inundated from all the authors, who um... <laughs> and it's funny because um, I keep buying them, and I need yeah. to stop because I'm not reading them that quickly, but if you pick an, you know, an old one up off the shelf, and it's like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: oh, I never realised that must have missed that bit in a lot and you know you just refreshes you it's
0: great so some roundout questions what is one book you one book you wish you could read again for the first time oh,
2: it's not going to be very um original but probably pride and prejudice you know the first time when she when she i can't even find the words i'm that excited It's <laughs> so, you know when he proposes to her that first time and and I just, I was gobsmacked that, that you know, not only does she say no, mm-hmm. but then she just, she just socks it to him. And he so deserves it. I love that so hard. Um The book that made me want to write for my line was Liz Fielding's Eloping with Emmy. Just okay gorgeous. Just a gorgeous. Oh, oh, Liz, Liz doesn't write a bad book. Um Mm -hmm. and that is just one of my favorites so if we're talking category that's the one i'd love to to go back to
0: fresh
1: who was your teenage celebrity crush
0: oh it was tom cruise um what's one film you'll never stop watching
2: okay so it's going to be the bbc adaptation of um pride and prejudice i just my poor husband but he doesn't mind it either he likes it as well so we will often just do scenes of dialogue at each other from that um mm-hmm. because you know colin firth yum and jennifer mm-hmm. ely's great as lizzie um and another one would be when harry met sally <laughs> just love that film love that one.
1: Oh yeah that's so good such a good movie what is one hill you will wholeheartedly die <gasps> is that because romance novels are. A
2: popular fiction they're trash it's like what are you guys smoking that that believe that (laughs) just really really when was the last time you read one it's just ignorance and it's just i can pull my phd phd hat out and you know slap them around the head with that and um set them straight (laughs) and also you know (laughs) you go oh but it's formulaic and it's like but when did formula get such a bad rap? I mean, yeah, there are parameters. Um, and I can tell you the formula for my book, but it's not going to make it any easier for you to write one. You know, it's 50,000 words. It's got to focus on the right. hero and heroine. You can have sex now. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My thoughts always been like, if you read enough of something, like I used to love historical mm-hmm. fiction after at some point, you know how to read historical fiction and like every everything feels formulaic after mm-hmm. some point like I just but romance seems to be the one genre that like well the I, I have been months. known to draw the
2: analogy between um, a game of football like a game of football has the, the fields of the same length they've got the same number of players same rules so does that mean every game of football is exactly the same?
0: Mm-hmm. no excellent
2: yeah. No. Yeah. so I I do have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about you know <laughs> women's pursuits have never had as much cachet as men's
0: mm-hmm. what is one line or series that you wish would make a comeback <laughs> or never oh, went away <laughs> god there's a few of them you know
2: <laughs> you live long enough <laughs> um super romance I used to love the super romance line Same. um they were really bridging that gap between, you know, the short and um, long formats. They were brilliant. Um, Sarah Mabry used to write just the best. The old Temptation line, I adored it, adored it. And they got rid of it and then they, you know, tried Reva and Kiss and other things that just haven't filled that 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 slot. They were just so fun and funny and sexy. Mm-hmm. And I used to love the old Desire line um, before they became Alpharish and billionaires. Um, I'd actually been targeting targeting
1: that line for a little while and um, almost got picked up, but then they changed the direction. Tough love. What's been one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever been given?
2: Writing advice, it would be, how about you put that one away and start something new?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I.e., this wasn't, is it? This one isn't Exactly. That <laughs> it's like,
2: ouch, tell me what you really think.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, in life, uh, it's not always about you. <laughs> you know, when you're, you, you think that everybody's reactions is because of you, and then the realization that. Yeah. Um, actually this has got nothing to do with me which is actually yeah um it sounds brutal but it's not it's like comforting it's a piece of comforting Mm -hmm. advice Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. at what point in your writing career did you realize that your stories meant something to your readers I'd been to a library talk um so Annie West um was giving a little library talk
2: Mm -hmm. and I just went along and waved at her from the back and we got chatting to some of the people who'd come along afterwards because you know there's like wine and tea and nibbles afterwards and one of the ladies readers who'd come along um because both annie and i were on books our books were on the shelves she she borrowed them and she shot me a line um you know it'd be a week later to say there was a line in your book that has helped me come to terms with the loss of my granddaughter. And I was like, wow, wow. Um, it didn't occur to me that what I wrote could have such a, an impact on someone. So yeah, so well. you, you do get occasionally get reader emails that, that tell you, you know, I'm in hospital for the 11th time for the same thing and your book took me away for two hours. Thank you. you know you go oh, good, good.
1: You decide you want takeaway for dinner. Where do you order from and what's your order? Um, it'll be fish and chips from fish Ooh. and chip shops are
2: kind of um, a bit of an icon in Australia so.
1: I was about to say, like hearing you say that, it sounds so legit yeah. coming from you in Australia. Where, like, if I go to Outback and order, and it, it's like I'm such so, so <laughs> a poser. <laughs> so our
2: our local fish and chip shop is called the Ritz, and it's just the Ritz. the Ritz, and it's just fancy, tw- <laughs> and it's so nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's what's it's amazing just about it <laughs> and
2: um, yep so and so it'll be for mr douglas and i two pieces of fish and medium chips oh, there's just, just
0: something about fish and chips wrapped in that paper like because we have a lot of them up here too so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so yes that's our, our big takeaway treat i'm big on pizza too uh... to be honest 15 years from now you're writing your memoir what's the title they all think i'm so nice <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is the sassiest I love title it's so funny and it's, it's it just seems to be a theme in my life people go oh michelle she's so nice and then my friend will go have you met her how <laughs> well did you know her <laughs> you know it'd be like people like amy andrews and you just laugh their heads off about that but (laughs) the memoir title i really really love and this is my husband's because as we've probably established here i am an abba fan um he's like no i can't hear the drums and stop calling me fernando Shout out to Mr. Douglas, okay? This episode is
1: dedicated to him. (laughs) Okay, now and then, knowing what you know now, what advice would you go back and tell yourself prior to 2007 when you published your first book? Learn to nail GMC and your life will be that
2: much easier. (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> truly, truly, I have rewritten two books from scratch because I I fudged the GMCs and and I had another recent book. It was the, the last book in 2020, I think, that just went through rewrites. It was just hideous because of – and because what happens is if you don't establish your character's GMCs, you bring in – other things that aren't necessary, like secondary characters, which mm-hmm. I adore, but then you let them take over. And your editor goes, you need to get rid of them. Yeah, but oh, I've got yeah. nothing to put there. Mm-hmm. So, well what you need to find. You yeah, Dig deep. Mm-hmm. So, yes, um, working out your characters, GM scenes. Mm-hmm. That is my pre-work before I start um, writing a book these days. So what is coming up next for you? So I think... We mentioned earlier that I've got a book coming out in August slash September. So that's Cinderella and the Brooding Billionaire. And I, there, there is nothing more flowerish Love about it. this particular billionaire. He is um, like Italian, not aristocracy because he doesn't come from the noble lineage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> I think I mentioned Anassas and, you know, those sorts of people being his name is up there, and so my heroine is like she's a, a maid in a motel, and um, he whisk[s] her off to to Rome to be the nanny for his unexpected, unknown, you know, seven months old son.
0: Mm. It was wow! Lots of
2: fun because I got to mm. you know fully do the makeover thing for her and play with pretty dresses and and it was like oh let's yes. just send them off to Tuscany for a little ideal we I need,
0: to go to, need T- to go to Tuscany we need to go to Tuscany
1: <laughs> so we need this book I mean we just read we just read a book you, by you but we need this, need this, this
2: one <laughs> I um so, there's been a theme, you know. There was a Singapore book and then a New York book and then I road tripped with Brie and Noah and then went to Rome um, mm. and the the book that'll come out after that and I'm not sure when it'll be released. Um, <clears throat> start in London, it goes to Switzerland, or it actually goes oh. to Devon and then Switzerland and then the Greek Islands and then back to London and it's like.
1: You're the romance I am travel just writer. Like, I so want to travel again, and the only way I can do it is in my book. <laughs> oh. Well, that's how that's how Bree's book felt, and and I think you said something in the dear reader part of the the book. You were like, "This is the book that we need during pandemic life," and I was like, "Absolutely!" <sighs> like, who doesn't exactly. want to go on a road trip right now? Exactly.
2: Absolutely. We're all getting itchy feet.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so lastly where can everyone follow you um, online the
2: best place would be my website i guess which is www.michelle-douglas.com um, and there'll be links there to my facebook and instagram i'm not on twitter because you have to be brief apparently and just <laughs> the sort of you know trying to fit something into however many characters it was like yeah that's just really not going to work me and twitter aren't going to be friends
1: (laughs) yeah I'm always wanting to share like whole passages of your all's books and I'm like oh gosh these characters get on my nerves I get like 240 I want to
2: share a whole page (laughs) and I've I've seen what it looks like and it's like just you know rows upon rows upon rows and it's like oh no. And then people talk about <laughs> Twitch storms, and it's like, oh, I, I think I don't need that in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I waste yeah too much time on Facebook as it is.
1: Well, this has been such an honor. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Like, we can't wait for everything mm-hmm. else that's going to come out from you. Um yeah, thank you for starting yes. your day with us and letting us in oh, yes. with you. <laughs> you.
0: You
2: girls need to go and have a beer Friday now and and, and probably tuck yourselves <laughs> up into bed shortly. But it's been an absolute delight to
1: be here. So thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> thank
1: you. I think I'm going to like go drink a vanilla Coke and listen to some right? Apple perfect now. Yes.
0: Friday night. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> well, listeners, make sure you check mm-hmm. the show notes michelle douglas's website will be linked down below as well as where you can find her books on harlequin and mills and boone uk and mills and boone australia go check them out Mm -hmm. she's amazing and sarah and i will talk to you in our next episode have a good day everybody